Father, I want to pray as we come to your word this morning um, that you would help us not to be distracted maybe by our plans for what we want to go, go and do later in the day. Um, Father, I want to pray in this moment, um, would you help us to, to be really attentive to the things that you want to say to us through your word? We, we believe that your word brings life. We believe that your word brings freedom and healing and salvation um, and, and brings light to our lives. And so, Father, help us to pay attention and receive the things that you want to say to us. And we pray you would speak by your word and by your spirit to our hearts. Uh, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, maybe just before we come... Um, so this week's passage we're going to be reading in Isaiah 46, um, but um, we were singing a, a minute ago, we were, we were singing, shouting out the name Yahweh, Yahweh, and I think it's always worth pausing to make sure we know what it is we're shouting. Um, m- most of you may know, um, but where does the name Yahweh comes from, come, come from? It comes from the story of Moses at the burning bush, and when, when Moses asked God, what is your name? What, what's the name I should give when I go to the people? And that was when God gave this name Yahweh. We don't actually know 100% certainly how to pronounce it. That's our best guess. But the name means something like I am or I am who I am. You've probably heard that phrase before. Um, and so whenever you're reading your English Bible, um, whenever you see the word Lord written in capitals in your English Bible, that's where that name for God appears, uh, the name Yahweh, the name I am. Um, now, I'm saying all that, I don't think it actually occurs in the passage we're going to read this morning. But if you pay attention, you may notice the phrase I am popping up as it often does through the Bible uh, when talking about God. Um, so let's read. Uh, we're going to read a number of verses in Isaiah 46. Uh, This is probably not one of the most famous passages in Isaiah. We've been reading a lot of very famous passages. Um, But I think it's um, really helpful uh, and challenging for our lives. Uh, So Isaiah 46, reading from the beginning. Remember, the people of Judah are in exile in Babylon. God is speaking words of hope and encouragement to them, but also at times words of challenge. And Maybe this week's passage is a little bit uh, more on the challenging side. but also very encouraging. Isaiah 46, verse 1. Bell bows down. Nebo stoops low. Don't worry at the minute if you don't know who Bell and Nebo are. We'll talk about that in a wee minute. Bell bows down. Nebo stoops low. Their idols are borne by beasts of burden. The images that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burden they themselves go off into captivity. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you you whom, whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? 
Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god, and they bow down and worship it. They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place, and there it stands. From that spot, it cannot move. Even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer. It cannot save them from their troubles. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. That's where we're going to finish. You hear even at the end there the repetition of I am God, I am God. Um, But let's begin maybe with the the puzzling bit at the beginning. Uh, Maybe we're we're wondering who are Bell and Nebo when they're at home. Um, And so Bell and Nebo uh, were two of the principal gods of Babylon, uh, the place where the people of Judah were in, in exile. Uh, the name Baal uh, simply means Lord. It's closely related to the, the, the name Baal, which the Canaanites used uh, for one of their gods. Uh, but it, it simply means Lord. And it was another name for Marduk, who was the head of the Babylonian pantheon. So the Babylonians, like other pagan cultures, had lots and lots and lots of gods, but there was usually one who was the, the boss, the, the head god, uh, like Zeus in the Greek pantheon or Jupiter in the Roman pantheon. And Marduk was the head of the Babylonian uh, pantheon. And he was also known as Bel. So you'll sometimes see Bel, sometimes Marduk, sometimes Bel Marduk uh, together. Uh, that's him uh, or an, an image of him uh, there, if you can make it out, uh, slaying the sea dragon Tiamat uh, in the, the creation myth uh, of Babylon. Uh, so that's who Bel was. And Nebo uh, sometimes pronounced as Nabu, uh, was Marduk's son. Uh, he was the god of writing and wisdom. Uh, and this is actually a, a statue of Nebu that has uh, survived to today from the 8th century BC. And you can go to a museum in Iraq and uh, Baghdad and, and see this image uh, still there. Um, Nebu uh, gave his name to many of the kings of Babylon. So you think of Nebuchadnezzar, that came from Nebu or Nabonidus, who's not quite as well known. Uh, they, they got their names from Nebo, the son of Marduk. Uh, the, he was the, the god of writing and wisdom. Um, interestingly, his name means speaker. Uh, and you can see a little bit of playfulness, even in what Isaiah says when he, he talks about the gods of the other nations and the idols and says, they cannot speak, they cannot answer. And so even the god of speaking uh, is completely mute and says nothing. Uh, But maybe for our purposes, uh, one of the most interesting things to note is every year at the New Year festival, the image of Nebo was carried in procession from his temple, which was in a town called Borsippa, along with the image of his father, Bel Marduk. And they, they had a huge festival procession carrying these two images from Borsippa to Babylon. And it was the, great, the greatest religious event of the year. Uh, it would have been a really impressive celebration of the power of Babylon and its gods. All the banners would have been out, the trumpets blowing, the people lining the streets, and the images of Nebo and of Baal being carried through the streets. Now, why is that interesting? Um, did you notice how our passage began and what the prophet says? 
Uh, he speaks of idols which have to be carried by beasts of burden. These are images that are carried around, and there's something of the prophet saying, what kind of gods need to be carried around by donkeys? Right? And he actually uses the image of these, these idols, these, these gods actually make the beasts of burden weary. They tire out the, the animals that are dragging them around. And so you can see how the prophet subverts something that looked like a celebration of the power of the gods of Babylon. The prophet says, what kind of gods are these? that You've got to carry them around and they tire out the animals that are pulling them. And he actually says they will eventually be carried off into captivity. But by contrast, in the very next couple of verses, he speaks of not a God we carry, but a God who carries us. The God who has carried you since you were born. The God who is able to carry you right the way through to old age and gray hairs. Who can sustain you and carry you and rescue you and uphold you all the way through your life. And so the contrast, the key contrast that I kind of want to flag up right at the beginning is between the gods we carry who make us weary and the God who carries us all the way from birth, even to old age and gray hairs. And that's our phrase for the week, even to old age and gray hairs. Um, so some of you are very encouraged by that. I've got quite a few coming through. Um, but the gods that we carry, and the God who carries us. Um, if you had lived uh, at the time when Babylon dominated the world, um, I reckon you would have thought that these gods, Belmarduk and Nebo and the rest, were going to be around forever. Um, I think you probably would have felt the same at the height of the other empires of Persia and Greece and Rome, because every, everywhere you went in the ancient world, you would have seen these incredible temples dominating every city. And they looked like they were going to be there forever. Um, if you imagine for a second, if you were one of the people of Judah and you're in exile in Babylon and everywhere you go in Babylon, you're seeing these huge ziggurats and these huge temples uh, to Marduk and, and to Nebo. And you know that back in Jerusalem, your own temple is in ruins. I wonder how you would have felt. You would have felt like these gods dominate the world. These gods are going to be around forever. And yet I want to ask you a question. Um, have you ever been to the first Colerain church of Belmarduk? Um, anybody know where that is in Colerain? Um, as far as I know, uh, it doesn't exist. And neither do the churches of uh, Zeus, the, the, the chief of the gods of Greece, or of Jupiter, the god of Rome, or of Ahura Mazda, the god of Persia. Um, these gods came and dominated the world, or their, their religion dominated the world, and yet they've gone. And yet the god of the Jewish people, this little insignificant nation being kicked around like a football by all these other empires, here in the Sandal Center this morning, we are worshipping that god. And all over the world, people are lifting his name and worshipping. And I think that's an extraordinary thing to reflect on. The empires of the world have come and gone. The pantheons of those empires have come and gone. The temples have come and gone. And yet the God revealed to the Jewish people, uh, the, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, is still worshipped all over the world. Um, and I love 
at the end of the passage we read, uh, Isaiah speaks very bluntly, and he says, remember this, keep it in mind, take it to heart, you rebels. That's quite, quite a blunt way to speak. Uh, the people of Judah often forgot and were tempted to seek after the gods of the surrounding nations or to, to mix the worship of many gods with the worship of the Lord in a kind of syncretism of religion. Um, perhaps when they were in Babylon, that temptation was strong. Our own temple is in ruins. These temples look impressive. Maybe it was tempting uh, to bow down to these gods of Babylon. Um, what about for us today? It's easy to talk about history. Uh, I'm guessing no one here this morning is tempted to worship Bel Marduk or Nebo. Um, probably nobody here is tempted to set up a wooden or golden idol uh, and bow down to it in the corner of your home. Um, and yet, I think the challenge of this passage remains for us. Um, we also need this kind of blunt reminder. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Why do we need that? Because we still often place our trust in other things rather than in God. We still often put our trust in created things rather than the creator. Uh, so John Calvin described the human heart as being like an idol factory. We're always creating and inventing new idols, new gods to bow down to. Uh, maybe it's not a literal image of stone or wood or gold, but still we give our hearts to things that are not the creator God. Um, and maybe for me, the big encouragement challenge of this passage is this. Only your creator can carry you from the cradle to the grave and beyond. Only your creator can carry you from your birth, even unto old age and gray hairs. Anything else you give your heart to and put your trust in will become a burden and make you weary. That, that for me, is the heart of this passage. Anything else we give our, our ultimate trust to and give our heart to will become something we carry that makes us weary. And so I want to reflect with you uh, for a few minutes I wonder how you would ask the question if I ask, um, oh, I've put all the answers up. I didn't mean to do that. Um, my well, some answers. Uh, I'll, not, I'll put it up in a wee second. Um, but if I was to ask you, what, what are the gods of our age? What are, if it's not Marduk, if it's not Nebo, um, if it's not a, a literal uh, statue of gold, what are the, the, the created things that we might put our trust in or um, lean the weight of our lives uh, on? Uh, and I wonder how you would answer that. Um, I think it's important that we identify the gods of our age, just as Isaiah does, and Isaiah names them, Baal and Nebo. We need to name the gods of our age and topple our idols um, in our lives. Um, and so I meant to put these up one by one, but I'm going to put them all up in one go. Um, these are some that I want to name. Um, one of the gods of our age, I think, is the god of money. So we can pour our time and our energy and our talent into making money so we can buy stuff and have the lifestyle that we crave. And I wonder, I wonder, would you say, is that enough to carry us through from birth even to old age and gray hairs? Is that enough to sustain a human life? Um, I think we find out sooner or later that as it says in Proverbs, whoever loves money never has enough. 
And the more we have, the more we worry about losing it and need alarm systems and security guards to look after it and don't sleep at night because we're worrying about the stuff that we own. And the stuff we own becomes a burden that weighs us down and makes us weary. Wendell Berry says, don't never own so much stuff that you'd be relieved to see your house burn down. Um, but it can become a burden. It can weigh us down. Um, and then there's the God of pleasure. Um, there's a, an advert that keeps coming up at the minute uh, with Ewan McGregor. I can't remember what it's an ad for, and I don't want to give advertising this morning. But it's something to do with that whenever we're old, we don't regret the things we didn't buy. We regret the places we didn't go. So some people think this is better. I don't love money. I don't love stuff. I love experiences. Uh, I love adventure. I love pleasure. I love thrill. And so we can run after experiences of all kinds, whether it's food or travel or entertainment. And again, I want to ask, can that sustain us and carry us through to old age and gray hairs? Can you make a rich and satisfying and meaningful life just out of the pursuit of experience and pleasure? And again, I want to suggest we find that we grow weary of running after thrills. And at some point, we become jaded and bored. Um, this need for new pleasures also becomes a kind of burden. Um, so maybe, uh, or maybe we, we, we look to the God of self. Um, there's an idea that runs very deeply um, through our culture, uh, that each of us should be the master of our own fate and the captain of our own ship. And no one else can tell you what to do or think or believe. And you do you. Nobody else is allowed to interfere. And it sounds like a really liberating battle cry. But it also ends up in weariness. We end up becoming tired of ourselves. And sick of ourselves. And disappointed in ourselves. Because you are not designed to carry the weight of your own existence. You are a creature and not the creator. And so even the God of self ends up wearying us. And so some people look to the, the God of knowledge. Some of us look for salvation through learning and books and study and science and ideas and information and education. And we'll get enlightened and liberated by, uh, by ideas. And again, I wonder, can that sustain us and carry us all the way to old age and gray hairs? At some point, that also leads to weariness. We get overwhelmed by the complexity of all the things we know and by the awareness of all the things we don't know and the awareness that there's always going to be far more we don't know than there is that we know. And we wonder what is the use of all this information and knowledge that we have. Um, the poet T.S. Eliot has a wonderful line where he says, where is the wisdom we've lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we've lost in information? Something's gone missing. We run after that God. It makes us weary. And so then some people say, well, here's a better, a better thing to base your life upon is upon the search for love. Uh, that, this one sounds so much better and healthier. Do uh, you remember the movie that said, uh, the greatest thing in all the world is just to love and be loved in return? And you're thinking, surely, John Mark, you're not going to argue with that. That sounds beautiful and wonderful. Um, who can argue with that? And yet, when we make love our God, we're asking other people to carry the weight of our life. And that too becomes a burden. It will end up weighing them down. And they will end up disappointing us because 
they are a fragile creature like us too, and sometimes a foolish creature like us. And so both we and they will end up weary. It's a really important distinction we need to make in saying God is love, but love is not God. When you make love your God, it also ends in weariness. And so then some people uh, make a God out of ideals. What do I mean by that? Well, um, maybe some of you were thinking earlier that I was being very hard on people today, uh, saying they run after money and pleasure and self. And maybe you're thinking, actually, many of my friends run after very noble ideals. And they live for ideals of justice and equality and inclusion and kindness. And those are many of the, the kind of trumpet calls of our culture today. And again, maybe you're thinking, surely, John Mark, you're not going to argue with that. Um, and of course, uh, things like justice and equality and kindness are good and beautiful things. Um, in fact, as, as Glenn Scrivener uh, often argues, those things come from the Jewish and Christian story. They're a kind of spilt Christianity, a leftover residue of the Christian worldview that is still there in our secular culture. Um, but the problem is when you remove those ideals from the Christian story, they become just a list of abstract nouns. And those nouns can't bear the weight of our lives. And people, I don't know if you've noticed, in the search for justice and equality and, and these kind of things, people start off with really good intentions running after these things, but they end up arguing about how to define those things and how to pursue them and end up very angry with those who don't agree with them and end up weary and exhausted because they're trying to build the kingdom without the king. And that is a wearisome, burdensome thing to try to do. And so maybe lastly, and you can fill in your own uh, answers here as well, some people say the only thing big enough to live for is the whole of nature itself, planet Earth. Um, and again, I want to be careful in what I say. It's a really good thing that people in our generation are waking up to the vital importance of caring for the planet. Uh, the Bible makes really clear that the created world is good and it's to be enjoyed as a good gift, but it's also to be cared for and tended as good stewards. And that's just good Genesis theology. The earth is to be cared for. The garden of creation is ours to look after. But again, if we make this our God, if we call it Mother Nature or personify it in some way, uh, we find that even the whole planet is not big enough to bear the weight of our lives because it also is a created thing made to bring glory to the creator. We are to enjoy creation and care for creation, but not to worship it. Um, as the hymn writer says, we are to join with all nature in manifold witness to God's great faithfulness mercy and love. It's our job to join in with creation in giving worship and glory to God. So that's just a rattle through naming some of the gods of our age and why in the end I think they, they end up as a burden that wearies us when we try to lean the weight of our life upon them. Um, I'd love you to reflect this week. Uh, maybe there are other gods in our culture uh, that you're aware of that, are, that we're tempted to give, give the best of our lives to. Um, but the big thing we're wanting to underline this morning, there is nothing in creation that can bear the weight of your life. 
that can uphold you and sustain you and carry you from your birth, even to old age and gray hair. Um, anything else you place your hope and trust in will disappoint you, will become a burden that wearies you. Um, and if you don't believe me this morning, I want to I give you a really practical challenge this week. Um, this week, go and find somebody with gray hair, right? Um, go and find someone who is a little older than you, a lot older than you, um, and ask them to reflect on their life a little bit with you and ask them, what do you regret? What are the things you ran after in your life that ended up becoming burdens and made you weary? But then also ask them on the flip side, what have you experienced in your life of the God who carries you? And see what they say. I have yet to meet someone who, at the end of their life, uh, says, I regret giving the, 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 the time and the heart and the energy uh, and the attention and the trust that I gave to God. There are all kinds of other things that we regret pouring out our lives into. Um, but people look back on their life and, um, well, go and find some people with gray hair and ask them. Um, I only have a little, so find someone with more and ask them. Um, but before I finish, um, I want to mention a possibility, and maybe this has been in your mind. Um, it may be that you're doing your best to worship the one true God um, and to follow and obey and trust and walk with him. Um, and yet, if you're being honest, your religious life has become wearying and burdensome, and it's become something heavy and draining and joyless. And I felt before we finish, we need to mention that possibility. Um, this can happen, I think, to any of us at different times in our life. Um, but I also want to say this morning, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, why, why do I say that? I say that because Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your soul. If our practice of our faith has become a heavy burden that makes us weary, then something has gone wrong. And I'm not saying that to put another burden on you. I'm saying that to say, as a hopeful thing, to say if we can pay attention to that, there's all kinds of hope. Um, if, if the practice of our faith has become a heavy burden that makes us weary, then the God we are serving and running around trying to please is not the true and living creator God. It's actually another God we have created and invented. And often it's a little petty, legalistic, nitpicking God who is never pleased and always disappointed. And he's always hovering over your shoulder, waiting for you to make a mistake. I'm waiting to pounce on you. And we often drift. There's all kinds of cult, religious cultural pressure in Northern Ireland sometimes that can make us drift in that direction. Um, that God that we've invented is the God of the Pharisees and not the God of Jesus. Do you remember Jesus said, to the Pharisee, said about the Pharisees, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Or in another translation, it says they crush people 
with unbearable religious demands, right? That's the God of the Pharisees. Um, that God is a fiction, just as much as Bel Marduk or Nebo, just as much as Zeus or Jupiter, and we need to topple that idol just as much as the, the idols of paganism. Um, that God is too small to carry the weight of your life, and yet paradoxically also too heavy and becomes a heavy burden for you to carry. And maybe the question I'm asking as we finish is, what kind of God are you serving today? Um, is it a God you carry as a burden on your back? Or is it a God who carries you? What kind of God are you serving? Are you following? If it's a God that's a heavy burden that you're carrying on your back, he needs to be toppled this morning. Because it's not the true and living God. What, what is the true and living God like? This is, what, this is my last... I keep saying I've reached the end. This is the end. What, what is he like, the true and living God, the God of Judah and Israel, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Isaiah would say, do you not know? <laughs> Have you not heard? He's the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't need you to carry him, right? And he doesn't grow weary, and he doesn't make other people weary. In fact, he gives strength to the weary. He doesn't load burdens on people's shoulders. He comes near and comes to where we are, and he takes our burden on his shoulders. He is the burden-bearing God. He takes the weight of our sin. He takes the weight of our lives. He takes the weight of the world on himself. And so I want to encourage you, if you've been carrying that weight around with you, this morning's an opportunity to lay it down. Let God carry the burden, but also let God carry you. What does this God say to you this morning? He says, I have upheld you since your birth. I want to encourage you to put your name into that passage. Um, I have upheld you since your birth. I've carried you since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Um, I feel like this morning, I don't even want to close in prayer. I want to ask you, would you close your eyes? And I just want to read those words to you again. Um, let's hear God's word uh, to us this morning. And again, put your name in uh, as you hear these words. God says to you this morning, I have upheld you since your birth. I have carried you since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. My only prayer as we finish is, Lord, would you help us to believe these words? And would your spirit carry them to the very depths of our being and the very depth of our heart? Um, so we would know who you are and we would know who we are in your care. Um, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
let's, let's sing together um, in response. And the song we're going to sing um, speaks, I think, about growing old and says, let me be singing when the evening comes. So let's stand um, and sing together. <laughs>